Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Hi folks, welcome back. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. I'm your co-host, Joe Lu, and today I'm joined with Pastor Lydia, who is the co-founder of 180 Church, pastor of transformation and wife to Dr. Sammy. And this week's sermon was titled, What We Can Remember When Sharing the Gospel Feels Like a Chore. And if you're like me, there are certain times by which, you know, our faith journey and our lives at times could feel like an obligation and just kind of, uh, we can kind of find ourselves falling into the routine of going about our lives and our activities without really having the excitement, the same zeal or the passion that we might have once had before. And these are times and moments of reflection that can really offer insight into what we can recall and remember as far as God's power in our lives and in the lives of people around us that can remind us of why we continue to do what we do as far as God's calling in our lives, God's calling for other people and the mission he has in mind uh, for this world and the world that we reside in right now. And so I found this conversation to be incredibly encouraging and a really big blessing as far as how I can reflect on those serendipitous moments and those nostalgic moments of which God really worked in my life and hope that our listeners can also take away the same. And so without further ado, here's Dr. Sammy. Dr. Sammy D. Kim is a Harvard-trained ethicist and co-founder of 180 Church NYC. He is a Yale Hastings Scholar at the Yale Interdisciplinary Center for Bioethics and the Hastings Center, where he explores the inequities surrounding health, immigration, and social policies, along with professional burnout. He is also a regular contributor to Christianity Today. For more information, please visit his website at samdkim.com. Hey guys, I'm super stoked to come back to the Book of Acts as we've been excavating this incredible book by Luke to Theophilus uh, throughout the summer. We've been gleaning what it means to be a community of hope and healing in times of such disruption. I said many times throughout the pandemic and this global health emergency, it has given us ample time to rethink and examine what it really means to be the church as we stand apart and stop said and established that God uses these prophetic interruptions in our lives, such as COVID, to help us pay attention. Because in times of normalcy, we can easily miss what he might be doing around us and in us. And so God uses these moments, these pauses, to refocus our attention and also our action. A clear example of this disruption is found in the very beginning of this chapter we're exploring. A great persecution breaks out against the church, which displaces spiritual migrants in many ways. Thousands of believers are displaced all over Asia Minor. This disruption is allowed by God to scatter the church and inadvertently launches the greatest global missions outreach in church history. Not only does it reach Asia Minor, all over Asia Minor, but in the, by the end of this chapter, we see the Ethiopian eunuch and, and the Philip's encounter, evangelistic encounter begin to open a segue to Africa. And 
This great disruption also lands Philip in Samaria, where God uses him to do a mighty work. But his visit is cut short because God calls him very abruptly, it seems, from Samaria to Gaza to preach the gospel, but doesn't exactly indicate to Philip to whom or exactly where. Just very, very general sense of calling. And sometimes our evangelism can feel just like that. A bit aimless and feckless. It almost feels like, for me, trying to squat a really pesky mosquito while you're working on your laptop, but you never have a visual. And viscerally, you're just trying to squat the mosquito. And for me, if I don't have vision and can't see the mosquito, and I am squatting and hurting myself in my face, my body, my legs, on in great futility for hours on end. And this is why it is paramount to have a compelling vision of why, why we're sharing the good news. Because without the visio day, without the vision of God filling and fueling our mission, our mission very much will feel like a chore. And according to Webster, a chore is a necessary but unpleasant task. And then a mission becomes a necessary but unpleasant task we rather skip today. And that's why today I want to talk about what we can remember when our gospel witness, sharing the good news, feels like a chore. So that we can be fueled, refocused, and not waste this pandemic. Because God is moving, folks. We just need to be paying attention. So let's go to the text, and we'll come back. Hey guys, welcome to my messy bedroom. Uh, today's scripture comes from Acts chapter 8, verses 26 to 40, um, and it is titled, Philip and the Ethiopian. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandak, which means Queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a, and as a lamb before its shear is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. 
As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here's water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about, preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. And that is the word of the Lord. Amen. So in the beginning, we asked a question. What can we remember when sharing the gospel feels like a chore? And based on this passage, we learn that we can recall nostalgically the lives the gospel changed before. Empirical studies have proven from various studies at Harvard and Stanford and in many different parts, quantitative data that the hedonic adaptation, no matter how incredible your experiences are prior to this moment, you come back to a baseline of happiness. The meaning it doesn't matter if you made a billion dollars today, that joy will wear off. And I know some of you are thinking, no, that would never happen. It's just empirical, folks, not anecdotal. So marriage can feel like a chore. When you used to be in love and couldn't stop talking to each other, texting each other, be done the four for hours falling asleep, and then you get married and you just feel like, oh man, this guy. <laughs> I hope that's not happening. But anything awesome can feel like a chore. The gospel and sharing it, the good news that changed your whole life, the reason you're watching this online, this broadcast on Sunday afternoon or morning can feel like a chore. And that's why to mitigate that obligation, nostalgia is critical. There is a calling always, a prompting like the Lord did to Philip, and a prompting in our lives to share the gospel with not just in generally to our families and friends, but, but specifically their promptings that we will feel because God is working, not just calling us because it's all up to us. No, he's already working. There's an evangelistic reciprocity taking place. There's something that's reciprocal about, this, about the spiritual movement of God. See, he's not just working in us to be at a certain moment, at a certain time, but he's also working in the other party, right? So if you go to the text, abruptly, God calls Philip out of Samaria and says, go. Now the angel of the Lord said to Philip, go to the south of the road, which is very general, the desert road, again, very general, and goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza, right? So we see Philip take this, a day journey on end, moving from a powerful work to something obscure. And at verse 27, there, the duality of these two verses are paramount and important to understand, right? So God is working in Philip, but in verse 27, he starts to see a vision. It's important, a face to mission. 
he starts to begin to understand the heart of God in verse 27. He started to go out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch and an important official of the treasury of the queen of Ethiopia. But what's important to catch is that this man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. Now, Philip might had to take a journey, a day's journey, to Gaza. But this man crossed a continent seeking the heart of God, pursuing beauty and transcendence. And he was reading the book of Isaiah in his chariot, contemplating and seeking truth. Sometimes what we forget is that we think evangelism is only one part when it's dual. God calls because there's someone seeking him. God calls us, and we forget the faces of those people. If you think about it, the eunuch's distance was far greater than Philip's. And that's what I see usually. There are people out there and in our church that really go out of their way to seek who God is, to want to know if faith is real, to want to know if Jesus Christ really is who he said he was. I remember Janice, our resident oncologist fellow right now, will treat cancer patients in the future. When she got into medical school, um, she felt committed, hungry for God to come to small group all the way from Stony Brook to Manhattan. Every week when my wife was leading small group in the city, I think my wife had 50 people at once sometimes. And Janice, this three, four hour commute back and forth, studying, taking PT, cried out to God, God, am I doing the right thing here? This is really hard. And as Janice obeyed like Philip prompted, to be committed to her formation, what happened? God sent X, our resident pediatrician, at 180, doing a fellowship at Stanford. And he began to go with her and become her study partner. But X, who wasn't a Christian, seeking transcendence, meaning and beauty, began to go to small group with her and to church and began to even drive. X drove three to four hours each way to seek God. You know, for me, that is why I do what I do. This is why I wanted to exist. Folks, when we feel like evangelism is a chore, there are people out there right now that God is pursuing, and they are pursuing Him. Sometimes seekers do more. From our own church, we've seen People, seekers who come to church early, well, believers, the novelty of faith has, has sort of worn off. You know, Sunday becomes a, a routine for me too, a lot of times, and I'm the preacher. But they're there early because they're hungry. I remember seekers studied a Bible study in our church. 
investigating thoroughly and comprehensively, kicking out all pastors and staff, wanting to do it on their own, having a critical discussion of the Bible. Joey and Kago, Sean, many others, Eduardo. <laughs> this past, this um, past month, Helen um, Facebook messaged me and said, there are some seekers at our church that are not in the city that really want uh, to speak to you because you miss seeing your face and your wife's face. So we had a Zoom conversation uh, with Dylan and Eduardo and some others. You know, folks, we forget. And it reminds me why we do what we do and when it feels like a chore and the hedonic adaptation kicks in, we have to remember nostalgically when it feels like a chore to remember what God and how the gospel has changed people before. I remember when X came to Christ in his baptism. There were tears. He had tears. Everyone had tears. Look at this picture. Such a beautiful picture. And then we wonder, the core members of our church, especially in, this, in the field of medicine, they have been meeting together week in, week out for over a decade. No wonder they're at their weddings, crying with one another, celebrating with one another, holding each other when things are tough. They've built something that's meaningful and substantial. And one of the reasons why 180 is at the place it is is because of the commitment of people to mission. We've seen God work powerfully and I want to call you and remind you nostalgically again to remember the distance and the sacrifice and the effort not only the believers have to partake in, but the seekers who are pursuing him as God pursues them. We're here as facilitators of that movement, just like Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch were. So today, will you remember nostalgically that all the people, the gospel has changed. When it feels like a chore, how the gospel has changed their lives before. So in the beginning, we asked the question, what we can remember when sharing the gospel feels like a chore? that we rather skip today. Second lesson we learn excavated from this passage is that we need to revisit again the prophetic serendipitous moments that God set up before. That's right. The language of God in the secular culture or in agnostic culture usually is serendipity. Serendipity is Kairos moments that God sets up in precise time and only he could do it this way to show as proof, existential proof that he is actually moving. So if you read verse, 27, verse 28, was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. 29, the spirit told Philip, go to the chariot, stay near it, 
Then Philip ran up to the chariot, heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. <laughs> Serendipity. And Philip says, do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked. Verse 31. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. And so he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And verse 35 says, Then Philip began with the very passage of scripture and told them the good news about Jesus. So the text, clearly there's, there's a, an interplay between the timing at hand. Right? The Ethiopian eunuch from Ethiopia moving to Gaza. Philip, at just at the right time, meeting him, pondering about God and the gospel. And this reminds me of Dylan's story, um, him wanting to really leave Christianity behind. And the first day he comes to Columbia, he meets us in, in our day in the sun. I think our first day in the sun. And he thinks clearly that we're Columbia students. Because we look smart. We're not athletic, but we do. We are pretty smart. We're the worst athletes, probably, in any church compared to any other church. We're not proud of that. Okay, anyway. But, so he comes, and, and I, I remember talking to Dylan about this. He, you know, he just felt like he was wanting to move away from the church because he comes from a strong Christian background from his family. He just wanted to explore New York City, you know, the city of everything. Heathenism. But the first Sunday he comes, he, he inadvertently meets Christina, who is a childhood friend of a friend, at the precise moment. Dylan is watching this right now. Dylan is in small group. He's trying to move away from God. God brings him back at the center. Serendipity. I also remember a time when we did basic courses with seekers and believers teaching about the validity of and the historicity of the Christian faith. I remember Eduardo, who is in California now in UCLA, um, getting a, a MFA in, um, and he came up to me after we, afterwards uh, of our of our course and said, "You know, I just don't feel anything. You know, I, I, I'm just not sure." It sounds nice. I wish there's a God, but I don't know. Unlike other people, I don't feel anything. and I'm not going through anything really. You know, not sure. So I said, okay, how about we pray right now that you be open and, and God begins to move in your life and that you feel something. And he completely lied to me when I prayed for him. And I felt like, man, did anything happen? <laughs> Sometimes when you pray, and you reach out, you don't even know something is happening, but inadvertently something is happening. This was a serendipitous moment as well at the right time. He didn't tell me this. Of course he wouldn't. But he told others that when I was praying for him, he felt a strange heat come over his body. Now, phenomenology studies have, have uh, clearly recorded this Phenomena in many Christians and many seekers that felt chills in their bodies, heat, which is translates to the presence of God. And I know Eduardo didn't tell me that. Mind you to tell me that. Messed up, man, but I love you. <laughs> um, God showed up, serendipity. And we got to remember, folks. 
through the pandemic, I know that we're, this is a war of attrition and there's a lot going on in our own personal lives. But that's why the disruptions come. Because in normalcy, we might not pay attention and not be aligned to what he might be doing. Because there are so many. And I'm so proud of our community, of how you reach out. But I, I, this is just about preaching through the entirety of the Bible and being reminded and being accountable that that can happen. And I want to remind all of you seekers and believers today, 180, can we become that community of faith that remembers, as Luke writes in Luke 15, the one sheep. Never forget it. Nostalgically remember all the people the gospel has changed in our community. All the workers in our community. Almost every single, 90-something percent, have all experienced and, and found Christ here in our community and now perpetuating that love. When it feels like a chore, will you lift your hands today and pray that the Holy Spirit will bring faces and places, altars, and remind you that's why you're giving, you're sacrificing your time. That's why we do what we do. And I'm proud of you for it. Let's, let's lift our hands right now and ask the Spirit to remind us and fill us nostalgically again. Amen. So thank you so much for joining us again this week, Pastor Lydia. Um, as far as the sermon goes, I personally felt like there was a lot for me to unpack and really think through um, with Dr. Sammy's message regarding uh, what to remember when faith or mission begins to feel like a chore. And I think I was spending some time reflecting on if mission feels like a chore to me today and just sort of my general attitude about my faith right now, because it was funny timing in that on Thursday or like around the time we were about to do small group for the week, I had the feeling and I was expressing to my friend that I didn't really want to do small group this week, you know, just being completely honest about that because, you know, I think I was just feeling the drag of sort of virtual pandemic times, uh, small groups and um, I don't know if it was the circumstances necessarily because along with this, I was starting to think about how there were certainly times even before the pandemic that I had a similar attitude. And I guess it just goes to show that there is a pattern and a repeated pattern in my life. Um, and I'm sure for a lot of people also of like forgetting why it is that we continue to do what we do uh, for the sake of the gospel, whether it is our small groups, whether it is mission and such like that. Um, and so I'm excited to talk to you about this specific topic because, you know, I just wanted to dive into the weeds of what it means to sort of develop a framework and a practice of uh, nostalgia and remembering the serendipitous and powerful moments that God has um, brought into our lives up to this point so that we can continue to live out our faith um, and do it well. And so... I guess the first question I wanted to open up with and ask you is, um, so, so like, I guess, how do we like begin to identify that we're starting to treat our faith and mission as a chore, right? Cause I think for one thing I noticed is that th there's like a certain attitude that I have where I take on about the things that I'm doing, sort of like those groans and such. And so I, I kind of wanted to get your take on that, uh, aspect. Yeah, you know, it's funny that you mentioned about how you didn't feel like going to small group, you know, mm -hmm. that last week. 
because I'm just remembering so many times where I feel like not doing something that is as good as small group or, you know, something I know that I started because it has meaning towards the mission of God mm. and towards others. And so many times before showing up to things, like, I don't feel like it. <laughs> I just, yeah. I just don't feel like doing that, you know? Mm. And, but I was just like thinking in my mind because every time, like, I think 100% of the time, I would walk into a, you know, like a small group or even a podcast recording and I never regret actually showing up. For it. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? I totally know what I'm you always, mean. Yeah. I'm always invigorated afterwards and renewed, but it's really just the act of really showing up. I think is difficult sometimes because mm. that feels like a chore, you know? Mm. Right. I totally agree. Cause it's funny you mentioned that because that small group was mm -hmm. actually a really good small group. You know what I mean? Like it was like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, that, that's been my experience also, you know? Right. Um, and so I guess like it's, is, is there an indication that when we do start to like have that feeling of not wanting to show up to, things that God is doing or like the things we committed to because it is meaningful that, um, is there something r like wrong about our attitudes going forward with those things? Or is, is it telling us something deeper about, um, what the state of our faith is and such like that? Like, I guess I'm just trying to understand also how to really identify if we're just like, is this like a spiritual attack? Um, you know, how to navigate through whether it's us or whether it's an enemy. Right. The, you know, the enemy definitely works at us not being where we're supposed to be, not doing what uh, we're meant to do. I think he has this whole trance of um, schemes of distraction for us so that we don't arrive at where we need to be, you know, hmm. like basically to get us stuck. To basically to not experience, not see, not, you know, not do, right? So, but I think the other part is sometimes it's not only the enemy because many times, majority, 100% maybe, mm. um, is that we forget. I think we forget what God has done. And, you know, it, for me, it doesn't have to be the pandemic, but like, I remember I always have this thing like, you know, every Sunday service, I'm pumped, you know, I'm pumped to have Sunday service, mission service, like all this. But I remember, you know, even when we're meeting, there always comes a point where I feel like, oh, man, it kind of feels like a chore a little bit. And when I feel that coming, I know that it's because I've forgotten. Mm. I've forgotten not why we do what we do, but I've forgotten what God has done and what God is doing. And I'm now focusing on the inconveniences or the things that um, didn't go right. Or, you know, I'm kind of my memory is all kind of, you know, scattered. And I'm no longer remembering what God has been doing. Because the number one thing that excites me in my life every day living my life is the fact that God is always moving, mm. but it's still times when I forget that God is moving 
that it starts to become a chore or to feel like a chore. Right, right. I think, um, yeah, something that you just said kind of sparked something in my mind. Like it, it's, it's not, it seems like, cause the way I was approaching it was that it seems like faith could be a chore sometimes because, you know, we've forgotten why we do what we do, but that's not necessarily quite, I think, as accurate as what you might have said in that, you know, it's, it's not that we've forgotten why we do what we do necessarily because we continue to do these things, even though it feels like obligation. It's just that we've forgotten sort of the, it, is it fair for me to say like emotional component or like the powerful component of what fuels like our mission and our faith to begin with? Cause like, I think what I tend to notice is that, you know, at the times that I do start to feel like mission is an obligation or like it's starting to feel like a drag at times, I at least like convince myself or tell myself at least I did it. You know what I mean? Like at least I talked about God or like I invited people to church, but it's not like, it's not like aligned or like happily married with the, um, like remembering the power of God with our faith and mission, right? Is, am I understanding that correctly? Yeah, I think, you know, the reciprocity, reciprocity, yes, reciprocity is such a good point because we forget that God is not just leading us to do the mission calling us to do the mission, but God is actually answering calls on the other end of people that are seeking. And I think a lot of times we approach it, um, approach mission as if we're the ones like bulldozing through something when actually it's, you know, reciprocal. Mm. And that's the part I think has really been brought up through this message. God is clearly working to meet people um that are seeking him you know and so i think we forget that or we don't and i think sometimes we don't believe that that's happening you know Mm. so we just kind of feel like we're aimlessly doing mission because it's the right thing to do and it, it is the right thing to do it is um our number one calling right but it is not I think that we get blindsided about what it is we're doing sometimes and, and the magic of what's really happening, you know, Mm. in this act of mission. So, and then, you know, bringing back the enemy and the enemy definitely plays a part in us, you know, feeling blocked or feeling discouraged, feeling lazy. And I think we add to that very well because we happen to be you know i think as human beings we're very tunnel vision so if we don't see it we forget you know it's out of mind out of sight right mm-hmm. out of sight out of mind yeah. <laughs> yeah um and i think we kind of operate on just trying to get things done mode and we don't always step back and see what's been happening and what is happening we kind of miss things in plain sight, I think, you know, because it's hidden. Mm. It is definitely hidden. Um, but I think God gives us the eyes to see that. But I think we forget that because we don't actually remember 
that it's actually a reciprocal um, pursuit. Right. Yeah, I think that's definitely an important point that I I tend to miss a lot um, because it just seems like, you know, like the way reflecting on this sermon, it just felt like the way that I was approaching mission and my faith was like, I was just like, like, like a, like a door to door salesman. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah, yeah, you know, like I was just like, Hey, you know, I, it's like, at least I visited this house, right? Like at least I checked in with this person about faith or something like that. And so like, but I guess like I missed the whole, um, aspect of reciprocity which i think was a really good reminder because like there is a more gentler process that i feel like you're describing in Mm -hmm. that you know it's you know because you know i used to work for uh, a gym like a couple years back and for me like as a salesman you know like a lot of our role was to like go out there and like try to get customers and like it was really it was really difficult because you know you're it's like people walking like or like in the streets of New York and you have this guy, which is me like trying to sell you a gym membership and stuff like that. And you know, those sales like never really happened. Right. But it was mm-hmm. always like the sales that did happen were the ones where people called in and inquired and like, you know, mm-hmm. were curious about the facility because they're like new to the area and stuff like that. And those are like, you know, those are just like happened so organically. And like this, this kind of mm-hmm. reminds me of that because you know, mm-hmm. a lot of the times I feel like I just get caught up with the busy work of like, okay, this is like what my job is telling me to do. Mm-hmm. But I, but like what really makes me happy is when like someone like had come in, you know, was, did their research or whatever. Like, I guess if I'm like trying to equate this to someone that is putting in the effort to really seek God, um, right? Like, there, like there is like a very magical organic process behind that that I feel like is often missed when it comes to mission, I thought this sermon was a great reminder because like, you know, I guess one of the questions that I, I really wanted to ask was, you know, how do we, how do we like begin to identify sort of those processes of, oh, this is a tongue twister up the processes of reciprocity uh, mm-hmm. that God is doing. Cause you know, I think sometimes I just, you, you're right. Like I get really tunnel vision or like a lot of us do get tunnel vision. Yeah, I think one, we can't be so judgmental of people. Mm. I think we kind of tend to um, act as if we already know what people are looking for. And so I think we have to kind of put that aside and really be discerning and not judging and step back and kind of sometimes, you know, be in the process of discovering what it is that... um is really happening. And I think that's paying attention, like pay attention to um, how someone may be in the process of seeking, what kind of questions are they asking? You know, what do their actions show? You know, when they come to small group, um, you know, it's even if I think, and I, we talked about this before podcast, but it's like, there's also an unaware part. Some Sometimes seekers don't know. And I know this because I was also seeking. We were all seekers at one point, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a part about seeking that you don't really know what you're seeking, even though internally, deep inside, your soul is longing and knows what it wants to find. You know what I mean? But you don't know when you, there aren't real clear benchmarks of, 
um, coming to a place that's, it's like warmer, 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 hot, you know, yeah. you, it's hard to know that. So the whole part of, um, paying attention is also being engaged and kind of trying to understand where the person's at by conversation. Because mm. like, so sometimes, you know, like we'll have conversations and some, like you just said before, like, um, something sparked in me about what you said and it helped me understand something. And I think that's kind of how it works through understanding, through observing, through discovery and not by judging the process of process of discernment is that you begin to discover what cannot or what cannot be seen, you know, exactly as things seem, you know what I mean? Mm. And you begin to discover what God is doing deeper. And I think this is the part where it requires faith and faith is almost given to us as we seek the visio day, as we seek vision. Because if we look at people kind of generally, we'll miss the people that are truly seeking, but are not really admitting to the process, you know, because they're not cl- entirely sure what they're looking for, or they're not entirely sure uh, or if they want to mention how their pursuit is going, you know what I mean? Because they might want to observe. And so, yeah, I think it's really about not being judgmental, but discerning and asking God for vision. And that vision becomes faith. All of a sudden, you're able to see something that's growing there, that's blooming there, that's stirring up within someone's soul that you couldn't see before. So I think it's a layer of things. Hmm. Let's see. Um, If you don't mind me asking just real quick, because like, I think, you know, one of the things that I'm getting from this is that it seems to me that as believers, you know, we kind of come in with assumptions about, you know, where people are at as far as their faith process. Cause I, I really feel that I do that a lot. It's like, I don't really, and I was telling, I was talking about this in my small group as well, which was the good small group we were talking about. Um, that mm-hmm. I feel like one of my assumptions is that I'm, I kind of doubt whether people are really seeking God or I don't give them the benefit of the doubt that they are seeking God. You know, it's just like kind of based off what they say or, you know, what they're telling me at face value. And, you know, I'm not really observant of their actions or, of I guess like ha- I I don't re- I don't really discern their you know heart you know like I guess and I guess it's what I'm getting is that it's up to the believer to have the wisdom and knowing what God is doing or having an awareness of what God is doing in order to identify really like what's going on underneath the layers right yeah I think sometimes we're afraid to um afraid that we're not going to find anything so we don't really search either yeah yeah that's true we kind of just leave it at the action oh check off i i I did i did my part or i'll do that later like any chore but we don't realize like that we kind of limit ourselves from seeing what's there You know, there's so many times where I, I walked into, you know, conversations with people who are seeking and I 
a lot of times I feel like, oh man, I'll just ask them where they're at. But I don't really want to know the answer because I fear that it might be a bad answer. <laughs> you know, like, oh, they're not interested, you know? Yeah. But I'm always surprised at how genuinely um, close people are. And they're just wondering, how, do, how, how does this happen now? I'm like, what? What? You want to come to Christ now? Wow. And then I'm realizing, wow, I'm in the room because God led me here. But I totally don't see that because I tend to see things to my own assumptions and my own fear and negativity of my own, you know, anxiety or expectations. So, you know, sometimes we kind of trickle in and we stumble into something God is doing. Mm. It's not always with suave cape on our backs, no. you know. So it's really a double, you know, du- dual pursuit mm. happening. <laughs> right. That I, that definitely leads me to two questions because you know one of the questions I I really want to ask, um, but I think maybe not is not pertinent to what you had just said was like you know how does the vision of God uh, sort of inform our faith? But you know I think as far as what you just said, it seems like you happen to sometimes just stumble into um, something that God is doing already in someone's life, right? Um, and it's not like necessarily that you were aware of where this person was, but you had the discernment enough to like know and, or be there at the right place in the right time. Um, and I guess I was just curious if that's like an experience thing or if that's the, if if that's just like conviction based, like I, I guess I'm trying to draw the lines of how it was that you sort of stumbled into a situation like that, where like maybe some of us could have also been in similar situations, but have completely missed it because we just did not discern the opportunity or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think, you know, honestly, it's not for me. It has never been like, oh, let me just walk go to that meeting and find out what's happening. For me, it hasn't been like that. But for me, it was more, there is a part of me obeying Mm -hmm. to the call. Because I say this because I feel the discomfort right away. Because I know I'm stepping into out of my, more like out of my comfort zone into someone else's territory or a different territory. Mm. So I'm very aware of that. Mm. So even the feeling of, oh, man, I don't know where things are going to go. I don't know how I'm going to feel when I walk out of this room. So I, I think about those things because I'm very, I guess, um, I, I wouldn't say self-aware in those situations, but uh, there's an anxiety that comes. I think that we all feel when we're kind of trying to figure out where things are for the seekers. But I'm just being transparent about the fear and the anxiety of, stepping in and the fear of rejection that we all like i would say majority of us feel right Mm -hmm. but so yeah it's not that i'm literally walking in and you know like oh i came to get an ice cream but what you want to come to christ it hasn't been like that for me i'm not that carefree in my attempt but it's in obedience as i step in and then i'm surprised how good 
the outcomes are. Mm. <laughs> it's more, it has been more that. I see. Would you say it's like similar to sort of like an intuition? Um, I guess, I, I guess I don't, I don't, I'm trying not to be like very loose with that term intuition, but it just seems like mm-hmm. even though you didn't have expectations of uh-huh. the outcome, uh, which is like really cool. Cause you know, I think because of some expectations I might have going into mission, it's like why I am scared or like uh-huh. feel like it's a lost cause. Cause I, I guess I have certain ideas of how it's going to go, but mm-hmm. it seems like you like by a certain prompting or conviction you sort of know that even though it's uncomfortable, you you're called there. Yeah. You know, I'll say this. I, I'm remembering this as I'm talking. This is really good because I'm remembering also how God has worked before. Um, I would sometimes have dreams at night before um, of the person I've been praying about or because I'm kind of aware of the seekers in our, in our community. We have a lot of seekers in our community, yeah. right? So um, I'm not just talking about like, you know, a friend outside of the church, but within our community, there's a lot mm-hmm. of them. So I'm already, I already have them in mind. And it's kind of, I don't know, for me, I guess to describe it, it's like you are watching a garden through the season and you're looking for signs. And as soon as I see some signs, I try to check up, check in on it. You know, and sometimes it's not the direct, you know, of like asking, hey, do you want to come to Christ? I've done that before, too. And sometimes I'll just lead someone to Christ right before service or right after service, like in the corner of the theater. I mean, that's happened. Yeah. But usually it's because I know that the person's been seeking for a long time. So when you say intuition, I think there's a lot of supernatural that feels natural to me. Mm-hmm. And where I wouldn't have not thought about having lunch with someone, but I'll have a dream about it's like a confirmation of a dream of about timing because it's it's kind of like more matter of when, right? And I think this goes back to what we talked about several weeks back about Kairos versus um Kronos, right? Mm-hmm. Is that it? Yes. Kronos time. That, you know, it's in the mundane that you're faithful. And then because you don't really know when God's going to show up powerfully where, you know, the big turnaround day, you don't know when that's going to be. So you have to be faithful in in an, in, in an, what is it? In and out, you know, and scripture tells us to always be prepared in and out of season to give a reason for the you know, the hope that we have in Christ, right? So there is a preparation part. There is the watching part. But the execution part is really what I'm wondering about. But so I'll kind of check in like a gardener inside out because you don't also want to just show up. And because a person seems more ready that you kind of build those through, there has to be some kind of rapport or relationship that is built right mm-hmm. about of some sort. I mean, we don't have to be best buddies, but there's an understanding of my intentions for the person, right? But anyway, so going back to intuition, I think some many times it's been supernatural. Sometimes I'll say this, 
I guess you could say intuitive in that I just go and seize the day. <laughs> mm. Like I kind of go with the mentality of, you know, when I was seeking, you know, cause my story is that I wasn't nece- necessarily born again, even though I was growing up and serving in the church until I was really born again. Mm-hmm. And for me, the thing that I always wondered is why did anyone ask me about where my faith is? I just assumed that what I was doing was what faith was. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like the spiritual blindness that, um, that kind of you, when you're on the outside of true faith in Christ, born of the spirit, you assume what things are, you know, until someone really shows you what it really is, that it's really turning to Christ and giving your life to Christ and asking him to come in to asking him to forgive you and being redeemed by Christ. But that on from the outside, it just seems like what you're doing is what it's supposed to be. like. Oh, going to church, serving, that must be it. Oh, um, helping out, that must be it. Until you really realize what it means to be born again. And I always wished, there was a part of me that I always wished, because I came to the Lord like in, in my early 20s, right? Or maybe in my late teens, early 20s, like 21, 21 maybe, or 20, 19, I don't know, long time ago, but... Um, <laughs> Like, I always wish that someone had asked me those questions when I was younger. Um, so part of me is like, you know what? I want to love others the way that I wish that I was loved or, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I kind of day and ask people the questions maybe um, that they haven't been asked or seize a day with you know, <laughs> just show up with right. my presence and love, love them and let them know, Hey, or sometimes I'll just be like, Hey, I'm here. Um, if you ever want to talk about, you know, where you are in this journey of seeking relationship with Christ, what that, what that looks like. So I'll make an invitation, but you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I think it's, it's all of the above really. And that's really the process of discernment. Sometimes you show up because God tells you in a vision or in a dream, in a in a hunch or in conviction of the spirit. Sometimes you show up because you want to be faithful and you seize the day because you want to you want to love people that way, you know? So call it intuition, whatever. I think it's all of the above. Mm. I see. So yeah, I think I'm getting a lot of analogies from this for myself because it seems like there's it seems like from what we were talking about weeks ago about like being faithful to the mundane like if i can liken it to the act of gardening that you know of that i don't really know much about um but it's like if the mundane is sort of like tending to your garden like the sermon is knowing when the fruit is ripe yeah and that like is also based off your experience as a gardener, but you can also kind of tell that, you know, like the garden is plump with fruit or something like that, right? Yeah, because I think that's where the supernatural part is so helpful. God showing us is helpful because 
I, I really believe this, that if, if it weren't for those dreams where it was very clear, I, and I think I see this too, like some people will be seeking a really long time and hoping to find answers, mm -hmm. but it's kind of like you leave them to seek and you allow people the time and the space and the freedom. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there were times where, um, I led someone to the Lord in our community and they, they said, um, to me, I knew that I might be wandering for a long time if you didn't ask me this question today. And so I think it's, yeah, I think that, yeah, I don't know what I'm answering at this point, but, <laughs> but yeah. Mm. But I think that just kind of goes to show that there is sort of like a, a Kairos timing to things. Like, cause is it, is it the case that there could be waiting too long? Possibly. I think that sometimes the church can play so safe. Yeah. I think both extremes. Like sometimes you don't allow people to really explore and you go, oh, well, you should know by now. So bam, 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 you know? Oh. You could hurt the seeker because seeker might be really genuinely asking some deep questions, you know, beyond tribalism, really independently, really seeking the truth about Christ and the historicity about Christ. And I think it could go the other way. You give them so much space and time and you keep eating dinners and dinners after without actually asking the question. It's kind of like, you know, so many times the girl or the guy in a romantic relationship where at the beginning of it, you kind of hope, okay, can you stop beating around the bush and ask me? Hmm. <laughs> you know, people feel that way too. And I think we could be on that other extreme as well. And so it's important, I think, as believers to have courage to step in. Hmm. I got you. Well, one of the things that you mentioned before that reminds me of the question I wanted to ask was that you, you know, you mentioned that you pray for people and sometimes you have dreams about them, right? To kind of indicate that God is moving in their lives. Like those are not that I'm guessing those are just good indicators, right? Like that, you know, perhaps God is speaking to you about a person that is seeking. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, I, I, I with that, I kind of wanted to ask you about vision and the Visio Day of God, right? Because I think kind of going back to what we were saying about how it, it's not it's it, we can often do things just kind of aimlessly and mindlessly because we know why we're doing it per se but like in this case when it comes to mission or like i guess us missing or forgetting what god is doing in our lives like you know the reason why we do what we do is the visio day right and i guess i wanted to ask you what your thoughts are or what your perspective is on what the vision of god is and you know like the question i had regarding that was like can we equate the vision of god to specific people i think the vision of god is really how god sees people so i think the answer is like general but also specific because God feels the same love towards every single being because he sees every single person made in his image. Mm. And 
he also leads us specifically to certain people who are seeking, right? Mm. Um, but I think as human beings, we're only limited to certain assignments. You know, we can't be at, we can't be in every destination, yeah. every project, every assignment. So God's really kind of calling and leading people to do his mission, right? And I think that's when it becomes specific, when we kind of are able to zone in on a need of a person seeking the Lord, looking for the Lord. So I think it's general and specific because God's heart is the same for all. It's us being able to focus in based on his heart and being able to see. I Does that answer the question? I think so. I think so. It's like a broad, it's a, it's a broad, but specific application, right? Like there's only so much that God, like I guess one individual can possibly do. And it's like, our assignments are very specific to what God has in mind as far as calling, if, if I'm understanding that. Yeah. And I think, you know, in our church, you know, we could get really nitty gritty about is that person really seeking or not? But I guess in terms of broad and specific, what I also mean is, you know, there are times where people have tricked, you know, very cunningly tricked another girl, like a friend you know, who is not a believer, a believer friend tricks a, a girlfriend of hers saying, hey, you want to go to a meet and greet mm-hmm. and bring them to a small group so that they could hear the, hear the gospel, you know, mm-hmm. the message. In small group, we discuss the message that's spoken and it's always about the mission of God and the gospel and the vision of God, right? The Visio Day, how God sees people and why we do the mission and how God is responding to people that are seeking him. So creating that opportunity, how do you really know other than the fact that you love that friend? And I think that love that, that leads you to that specific assignment is also operating from the vision of God. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It's not always that you're kind of, looking for people that are seeking, but you make out of your love that is from the love of God, the vision of God, right? His heart, the love that you feel for that love that you have for someone who may never have sought. And I think that's what mission work is really, Yeah, you know, call mission in the States now evangelism because it's more local, but really mission is going places where they hadn't heard the gospel and introducing Christ um, through word and deed to people and people groups that have never heard it out of the love of God, out of the vision of God. So I guess that's what I mean by broad and um, specific. Right. Specific because of his vision, and love is a vision as well. Right, right, and I guess like what I'm getting out of that is that the importance in evangelism is not necessarily that like we're like just bringing people to church, but that there's love involved, right? Like the vision of God on a broad stroke 
regards his love for his children. And so in, as far as our specific applications, like, and, and I guess that kind of bring, that kind of brings us to what Dr. Samuel was saying is that like to remember the power of God nostalgically or like the power of God that we experience or other people around us have experienced it, it involved love to some extent. Yes. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Because love can grow. Right. Right. And become committed to the evangelism of a, of someone, but yeah, to some extent love. Hmm love, friendship, family. And I think, and, and specific and also that a lot of times we focus on the friends and the family that are directly connected to us sometimes, but also we need the vision of God to be able to specify and not generally try to only focus on family and friends. And I think that's the thing. There are people in our community. There are people that are outside of our family and friends um, that we may see all the time that are also seeking the Lord. So it's specific in that the Lord lead us, leads us out of only focusing on family members and close friends that we may have in mind. Right. Right. They're like that's also like another case of tunnel vision, right? In that we're like maybe fixated on proximity that we might miss that there are other people like, cl- like close enough that we can probably reach that we just aren't setting our eyes on. Right. Cause like, I guess even in this scripture passage, it's not like Philip knew this eunuch. Right. Right. But it, it was still like an encounter. Um, and I guess I would need, uh, more of an understanding of this passage to know that like it's it it is like out of sharing the love of god with this eunuch that philip even engaged to a degree right yeah i think it's that saying when you know how sometimes you know a guy or girl will get caught up in this one person they're pursuing in romantic relationship mm-hmm. and it just doesn't work out you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. and a friend will say, hey, there are a lot of more fish in the sea. But I think it applies to mission as well. I think sometimes we just kind of get caught up in what we think should happen first. And I'm not saying neglect your family and friends. But again, there are many fish in the sea. Right. Jesus said it by saying, pray that he ra- that workers are raised up because the harvest is plentiful. So I think it's also broad and specific in that aspect as well. Mm. Well, and yeah, so I'm, I'm, I guess like it's really dawning on me that there is sort of like, there is definitely going to be a disconnect and an issue regarding our expression of mission. And if we like kind of forget the reason or the memories or the, um, I, I I guess alters in our context, right? Like it's like these things that remind us of what God has done and what God's promises are and such like that. It's like, there will be a disconnect in the way we do mission and what God is actually doing. If, if we can't remember the power of God and 
the vision of God, which just kind of recapping here is like, is about his love for us. Yes, to love. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, so I guess this kind of brings me to my next question then, because, you know, with that understanding for me, it's like, you know, obviously, I think as a believer, what I want to do is to like love people well, right? Like, if I'm remembering correctly about why I am a Christian and I am a believer is because I've been loved by God and I've been loved really well um, by believers around me. And, you know, my life has been changed. And I've been saved. And, you know, I also want to, you know, share that love with people around me. Um, but, but if like, we don't have a practice of remembrance, right. It's sort of like, like we'll, we'll get caught up in the cycle of doing things without, without really having specificity in mind as far as what God's call in our lives is. Right. And so I guess I'm curious to know what, uh, a discipline of remembrance looks like, you know, cause I think the issue is that we forget, right? Like there's, it's not the first sermon that we've heard that was about how, you know, God's people forget what God has done in their lives, you know? Mm-hmm. Yes, I agree with you. Is that a question? Oh, the question, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, the question was like hidden in there. It was a, uh, how do we practice, how do we have a, like create a practice of remembrance? Oh, okay. Sorry. Um no, so I was thinking about this. What are some ways? And I think, I guess just there's so many ways. There are, there are altars, right? Um, but I think a lot of times we neglect the power of prayer and power of prayer is so amazing because just by remembering to pray for someone and to, um, Surrender to God. God, this cannot happen in my own power. Um, and I'm praying for this person that you would meet this person and coming to that place that's really, um, humble to know that it is an act of God, hmm. but that you want to be part of that in any way possible by asking. Um, when the person is not even aware, I think prayer, I think a lot of my mission work or evangelism starts with prayer. Also, it's general and that you pray that the Lord uses you and you, when you don't know who, right? But there is an aspect where you pray for the people that are seeking. Mm-hmm. And it has, prayer has a way of not just keeping hope alive within us to do the work of the mission, but it has a way of keeping our internal eyes open that we normally would close, live closed and completely miss what God is doing. It gives us the ability to even pay attention to what God is doing and know when to act, when to, you know, what the needs may be, what the father is doing. So I think, um, among other practices, such as, you know, returning to altars, having conversation, um, watching, you know, photo booths, for example, I think prayer is, honestly, prayer is something we have to 
remember. Right. And I'm not saying you should pray for someone for hours. And I think a lot of times people just kind of get turned off by prayer because I can't do prayer for that long, people will say. But it's just remembering someone in the eyes of God, in the vision of God, mm. and knowing that you can't do that apart from God's power. So what God does is he reminds you of his work. He reminds you of his love. And he lets you know how he is working. So. It is actually very, very crucial. Wow. I'm just remembering that I have not been praying for people. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I think that was just like very profound, like very straightforward and profound thing. It's just, you know, I think, I don't know what might've happened, but I just had this epiphany that I realized a lot of my prayers mm-hmm. were just about like, God, what are you doing not like mm. not like what's wrong with you it's just like god what are you doing in my life kind of thing like mm-hmm. you know i guess wondering about god's call for me and i like totally mm. forgot the other half of this which is that it's about other people <laughs> <laughs> so i don't know I, I just found that kind of shocking and also kind of like i don't know it's not really funny but you know i find it funny but um yeah well I, like you're i think you're absolutely right because i'm just remembering all those times that I did pray for people and I was very number one, I think, you know, wrong about what, like whether they were going to come to church or find faith or not. Cause you know, a lot of my prayers were doubtful about these people, but yet I still did pray for them. And, mm-hmm. you know, like I, like that's like another thing that I forgot. It's not just that, you know, I forgot what the vision of God is, is I forgot like my part in praying for my friends or praying for people that are seeking God is, is an aspect or an element that I've forgotten. You know what I mean? That's, which is, which is such a great reminder that you brought up, you know? Yeah. I know that I pray because I can't do, do what God can do. Mm. And my way of staying aligned and engaged to pay attention to what God is doing. Right. And I think when you become aware that you are not powerful on your own, you know, I think it you can't help but pray because you need dependency on the one who has the power. So, yes, in the name of Jesus, we we ask him for help and mm. let him know that you know, this is the prime we're thinking about that he loves and we we pray in their behalf that they be they become closer to God and that also that we begin to pay attention and see mm. what is really happening. I think it's one of the ways to really keep eyes open spiritually. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And then, like to me it just I'm starting to see just how like my role in, I guess, being faithful to the mundane, not saying that prayer is mundane, but faithful in the sense that like something I can do that is like very proactive is to engage in a practice of prayer for people. You know what I mean? Um, Mm -hmm. Right. Cause like, I I don't know. I just, it just blows my mind that I completely forgot about that aspect, Mm -hmm. you know? So um, I guess like, I, I was curious to know, 
also like what your approach to praying for people is i know you just kind of like said it like right before my commentary right now but you know i guess like when you're approaching praying for people or like what is on god's heart for other people is it like that you have a very specific person in mind or does god kind of speak to you about a specific person like is there some kind of method to this at all or is it just you know so it like pops up in your heart no i want to give a really spiritual answer but i think the most spiritual answer is it's also general and specific <laughs> Dang. i feel like we're on the topic of general specific gotcha meaning that i pray because i know i cannot and it is not an inkling of or intuition of something spiritual, but I'm just aware of this, that I cannot. So it's literally my confession and profession to God, like, God, I cannot do this on my own. I need your help. Will you meet this person? So it's literally intercession and that you're turning to God in behalf of someone. Um, Also in your behalf, right? Mm. Because and asking God to show up. Um, also, it's specific in that sometimes I'll have someone in mind and I kind of pray that, you know, they wouldn't lose their way or that they would continue to seek or that if there are any schemes of the enemy or distractions kind of being displayed in their journey of seeking and finding Christ that those things be removed. So it's almost like, I don't know if this makes sense, but kind of watching an avatar seeking Hmm. on a game and you're kind of trying to pray because I believe this. I believe that there are schemes of the enemy to distract a seeker. Um, And he, enemy can control so many different things, you know, technical things to, um, and all sorts of little blow-ups and all, you know, little distractions that will keep them procrastinating or kind of missing things um, to not hear the gospel or to not be at a certain place. So I kind of, sometimes I feel specifically assigned to pray to keep their path clear almost, mm. to kind of help them. I'm, I don't want to say I'm, I'm helping them because, but it's kind of, you're almost like a street cleaner. <laughs> mm. You're assigned to be a street cleaner so that they can see or not see, but that they will continue to pursue without any hindrance. I guess that's the word without any hindrance or distraction. Right. So it's not that I'm staring at that person and praying or <laughs> just, I think when you start praying, also the Lord shows you, um, but I like to say general and specific in that I think a lot of times people make it very, very spiritual and they'll say, well, that's not me. And I've learned that mission and being led by the Lord is a lot more, more obedience and general than specific. Cause I think a lot of times we try to seek the will of God so much that we kind of get lost in the seeking of it yeah. and kind of lose perspective and kind of miss the point. When the Lord's will is very clear, he's always out for the one lost sheep mm. and his vision and his heart is that he loves people. And so any path you're willing to work for, 
so that someone can see and meet the Lord is his will, you know? Yeah. And the supernatural is when things get really specific and the Lord really gives you um, clear, I guess, next steps of understanding to pray or to act in real time. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, it definitely clears up a lot of things for me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That you say that because I think it's like that. It's like having a conversation with someone, even mm-hmm. not just a prayer, where you are able to clarify things so that they understand what's really um, happening, you know, right. or what's talked about. And so it's there's a little bit of groundwork I think that is necessary over time. Right. Yeah, I could see that. It's just I think like sometimes. The synthesis of it might just not, like, happen as smoothly, if that makes any sense. Like, because, mm-hmm. like, it's not, I feel like this is not, like, like n- new, per se, in the sense that, like, I'm mm-hmm. learning something new. It's just, like, oh, of course, like, how could I have forgotten? Like, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I think that's, like, sort of the the fundamental issue and the reason why. Um, remembrance has been such a important thing as far as reflection and um, how we approach our faith is because like even though this is like stuff that I'm sure that we've spoken about before it's like even still like there's an aspect where I've forgotten something like like how like like I, I'm still unaware of like how I ended up getting caught up with my own like call calling and trying to figure that out and kind of neglected the other part of God's calling or not part of God's calling. I forgot the calling of, you know, what this mission is for, that it is for the sake of other people, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's yeah. it does clear things up again, you know what I mean? Like I feel like it's like like clearing up the dr- the snow in your driveway <laughs> a little bit. It's mm-hmm. like it happens, like it's the snow covers it again. It's just like it it takes. It's like I guess I don't I don't want to say it's like seasonal or anything like that, but I guess there are just like times where we forget, you know, and that's the reason why we have these conversations so that we could like re remember and like refocus and see once again what like what this is all about you know what i mean mm-hmm. um god definitely gives us steps and understanding to the things that he definitely brings direction you know help us get to where we need to be to work hard and use the talents that he's given us on earth, right? Mm. But ultimately, I feel like fish out of water, if my life or my everything I'm doing and the meaning of my being doesn't mount to the calling of God. And I believe there's really only one calling, which is to follow Christ and to be faithful to him, which be, and everything else begins to feel very... Um, like muggle, muggle life, mm. when all the focus is about 
a skill or something about paying the bills or right, like or profession or stuff like or that. Profession. Yeah, or direction for an ambition, and it doesn't connect to the overall, you know, theme of you know the glory of God. Mm. Do you know? It feel I feel like fish out of water, and I think. For me, that's like a check also where I'm kind of going about life as if it's a chore, doing the things well on this end and not remembering that it is all for the reason of, you know, the meaning of following Christ, where he's leading us. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I think that's also the other reason why we have to revisit serendipitous moments how god has worked and he has made meaning out of every toil and every ounce of love we poured out for others you know Mm. it has to connect to the fact that christ died for us you know that he came and he lived his life 30 years in obedience and died on the cross and rose again like that that meaning has to i think Without that, it's, I mean, honestly, we'd be muggles. Yeah. <laughs> so, I think that's why we have to remember. Right. And why I remember my nostalgia of God's power is so important. Because yeah. it really brings it all together. Yeah, for sure. I think, I feel like there's a, I, I definitely agree with that sentiment now because I think one of the things that, I was sort of troubled with with the sermon was that, you know, I've been trying to do what I feel like God has been calling me towards. And as far as the direction goes with school, um, trying to be faithful to my schoolwork and like trying to be excellent with it. But like, I guess what I've been thinking as of recent weeks or like with, you know, thinking about whether my faith and mission is a chore for me right now is have I been so lost and caught up with the things I have to do that I'm forgetting that God is doing something in people's lives that I'm missing. You know what I mean? Like, am I missing mission? Like, did I overlook something with me trying to do whatever it is that I am doing with school? Or is like, is there something very specific or someone very specific that God has in mind and wants me to also think about as far as my time in trying to do this um pre-med track and stuff like that you know what i mean like i, I i'm like i don't know if i i'm like trying to make up a reason for why i do what i do but like what this conversation has been making very clear to me is that it's like you know regardless of like the other things around like it doesn't really make sense unless i fit it into the framework of god's call and like god's mission for his people yeah i mean the meaning of life i think it comes down to that what really brings meaning that we do all on earth and spend the money and get nice things and but I think that we could do that but I think and it'll bring us some happiness yeah 
but I think it doesn't necessarily bring meaning to life. Right. You know, so I don't know. I think that's something. I don't know. I feel like fish out of water is the best way I could say. Mm. And I think more than fitting into the framework, I think it's that sometimes we think one or the other and we tend to kind of make the vision of life too small in some ways when mm. it's a lot broader. Because I think we're so stuck sometimes on specific, but I think we need to step back and see the broad picture of how God sees things mm. and become specific by his vision um, to allow us to see God's power at work in the past and also what God is doing. I think, I think we miss the spark of the meaning of life and meaning of his love even mm-hmm. when we miss the, it's like, it is exactly that, the dual pursuit reciprocity reciprocity yeah but we miss that he's actually at work answering you know requests of people and trying to feed the hunger and the thirst of others when that part doesn't connect with us i think it really lacks meaning Mm -hmm. just our own life and how well we do i think there's a there's an aspect where when we um practice really remembering and I, I say practice because it's as simple as sitting down and being as practical as possible and just writing down what God has done. Yeah. And you don't have to have a feeling towards any of it. I mean for me, it's just you know, I have my days are busy and I forget. And unless I make an intentional effort to think about something or pray about something, I am not going to remember yeah. i will forget and before i know it it's going to be bedtime you know yeah. and oh next next day comes so intentional effort to remember wherever that starting point is but for me i think it's going to be making a list and really remembering and to meditate because hmm. i forget yeah as far as this list goes, is this like a practice you do like when you feel like you're forgetting or is this like a regular practice? You know, like it's like a weekly thing. Yeah, I think I would say remember when I when I when I'm forgetting, when I start feeling that or getting a sense like that there's something missing. Mm. Um I follow that, I guess, haunting and turn to God and really, I mean, I really love those times. It's, I guess, I think a lot of times we're like, don't go to God only when you need him. But like, for me, I go to God because I need him. Yeah. And, (laughs) you know, but realizing that I need him because I'm kind of not all together and that I can fall apart and he'll bring it, he'll, you know, would it? What what is it? Fall, come and fall apart. Yeah. I will be back into pieces. I forget. But that, I guess, is how I go, and I follow the haunting, and I start, and and then I start being intentional about God. This God. This. And you know, the procrastination temptation is always there. It's like, oh, it's getting long. Like 
I'm re- I forgot that too. Oh man, this is kind of getting longer than I thought. Mm. I wanted to kind of check Instagram. Like honestly, that's where we're at, right? I wanna, I wanna. It, it's like you're because I do a lot of my notes, um, on the phone, yeah. right? Because that's accessible to me, and you can tell me like you should write down, but I, I do. I just can't every day in the same way, right? And I'm just being transparent and honest, and I. And maybe others are like that too. I get tempted by almost like pilot mode or default mode to kind of be distracted to do something else on the phone. Yeah. You know, something that I need to do. But, and so the temptation to procrastinate is definitely there. But I continue. And when I really press in to continue and to finish that, that task because of my need, I really see the benefit of that. Mm. Could I ask? I think. Oh, I think the enemy really, you know, this is what I'm realizing. The enemy doesn't really care to make us completely detach from the things of God. Mm the vision of God, I think he just wants us to neglect it. He just, he, he's like, you know, it doesn't have to be bad, but it just doesn't have, I just don't want you to be devoted to that. And I think that's the scheme. So the warfare really is to neglect mm. what's important. That's what I'm realizing more and more. And so to make an attempt to not neglect brings powerful powerful changes and powerful reminders powerful work of god and i i know like magic is like such a taboo word in the christian world but i call it magic because i don't know what other way like serendipitous magic is really what returns the spark is really what returns and the power of god the fire god literally lights up when you turn to god in the temptation to neglect and to forget and to kind of go about the motions as chores or every day, Hmm. you know? So what were you going to say? Yeah, I was, I was just curious um, regarding that because I think like, well, I was going to ask you what the benefit was of, you know, you intentionally pressing in to those um, areas of neglect, but you know, you just kind of answered it. (laughs) Um, Uh, It's like the serendipitous moments return, right? Like that feeling that fire um, or like that, that uh, excitement, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and I guess that's sort of like what I was most reminded of when I was thinking about the sermon was that like, am I still as excited about the gospel as I, as I was before today, you know? And um, for me, I think I am because, you know, when I talk about the gospel, I get really excited about just like what it means as far as its implications in my life and what it means for what I think about the world. And, you know, it's like I I get like really caught up in just how amazing it is for people. Like, you know, I get I get I get really hyped about it, you know, but um you know sometimes it's like but in my like everyday like routine and like monday like the mundane things in life 
apart from those like events where I do get excited about the gospel and you know about the serendipity and like the magical feeling it's just kind of am I am I missing something you know like is it is there something that I am missing and I think what your story is showing me or telling me is that like oh those are like really good indicators for you to or for me to and the listeners to like really be intentional and try to um seek god in those moments because i think it really debunks the whole idea that you're like don't go to god just because you need him but like what you're saying is true that we need god every day and every moment you know Mm -hmm. and we need god to help us remember and to sustain our faith because it's not just based off our works Mm -hmm. on our own which like i think is sort of like the trap that i fall into like Mm-hmm. I'm doing mission and I'm doing this and I'm whatever, like sustaining my faith, but it's, that's not true at all. Um, right. and so like, yeah, I guess like I'm, I'm just thinking about what you're saying about like how, when we do press in at those moments, you get that feeling of joy and like, um, serendipity once again. And, you know, I, I wonder for me, thinking about that now and knowing that I can put that into practice now. And hopefully I don't forget doing this in the future, right? Like um, what, what that would look like or like what that would mean for me moving forward with my faith also, where I may have kind of forgotten what God is really trying to do or has been doing this entire time. Mm-hmm. You know, the older I become, I, I realized that I'm busier than mm. ever before. I thought I was busy when I was in high school and I was, but I'm not <laughs> nearly as busy. I wasn't, I wasn't nearly as busy as I am now. Yeah. And I think the more I realize that the, the law, I mean, the war of attrition, the law of attrition, or even this of warfare of the enemy is to make us neglect what's important. Yeah. I think I'm I'm realizing how much how weak I am apart from God mm. more and more. You know, people might say, Oh, you you're getting stronger and stronger, but I think there's a realization I'm realizing, not because of my circumstance per se. Yeah. But I'm realizing I am really weak apart from him. He is my strength. And I think when I began to realize that I realized I can't be far from my strength. Mm. So when I run out of strength, I turn to God. When I run out of memory, I turn to God. When I run out of motivation, I turn to God because I am weak apart from him. So I think, you know, to say to become a person that always remembers is not i not just not ideal but it's unrealistic right i agree but yeah you know because there's no such thing there's competing commitments all the time but i can become a person who is committed to folk um committed to paying attention to the things that are important someone who does not neglect the most important things of this life of life, you know, mm. which is 
question, which is turning to God, which is knowing that all of my resource and source is from him. Yeah. So. So that's a really great point. I think, because, you know, like, it's just, I, I think I'm stupid enough to think like, you know, I could, I will have perfect recall or something like that. Or like, I'll always remember, or like, mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm going to implement things so that I don't forget. Like, that's just kind of what I do. Like, I, I like get into the routine of just doing things daily, which is, I guess, good, you know, like, at least I'm like, in mm -hmm. my head, it's like, at least I'm doing the thing, like reading the Bible, like a chapter. And stuff like that, or like doing my amino acids quiz every day, or something like that. Like, so I have like a very like rigid system by which I like want to implement things in my life. But I think you're right, like very right about how this is like also much more an identity thing in terms of who I am and my need for Christ. Because like if I if if I see and acknowledge that I need Christ all the time, which is just the truth. I'm not going to forget, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, I guess it like builds on itself. Like if I go to God, not because it's like some disciplinary thing, but because I need God, that need for God is going to continue to grow. And therein, like, I'm always going to like, remember, like somehow remember, you know what I mean? Like, or always go back to the source. So. Yeah. And I think what that's why Jesus says he makes it very simple to our primal needs, right? Mm -hmm. Our needs of what we are weak ap apart from. Like he says, I am the living water. You know, whoever drinks from me will never thirst again. I am the bread of life. I am the gate. I am the way, the truth, and the life. So. These are things that we need every single day. We need to get through a door. We need to get out of an exit. We need water to stay um, quenched, to not be thirsty, to not, you know, be to be hydrated. We need food so that we're not hungry, so that we're nourished. And so this, and he made it very simple for us. Yeah. We don't forget to eat. We may, we might prolong not eating. I definitely don't. But we ultimately have to eat. Right. So I think, you know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think when I saw that movie, um, Finding Nemo, oh my gosh, mm -hmm. I almost called it Finding Story. <laughs> but when I watched that movie, Finding Nemo, I felt like I was Dory. Because Dory, she has a great heart. She is in pursuit of helping um, her friend, mm. Marlon, find Nemo. But she usually forgets where she's going. Yep. <laughs> going and she'll forget. And she'll be like, oh, hi, what, my name is Dory. But I think that I am apart from... And then I think that's why the disciplines are good, you know? Mm. These disciplines, it's not that we become such a disciplinary person because I think there are people that are so disciplined in doing all the right things and they're so great at their chores. Right. But there is a lack of joy of the gospel. And I think joy of the gospel is also like the power of the gospel. And 
we need to be reminded to find that joy. You know, when the psalmist David says, um, praying for the restoration of joy, of salvation, mm. he has forgotten when he fell into sin, he forgot, you know, the joy of salvation, of, of being saved by the Lord and being, being redeemed by the Lord. Mm. And he asked um, in Psalm 51 that God will restore the joy of salvation and we need that joy of salvation. And that's why also, even if you're so dis- disciplined in mission and you know exactly who you're witnessing to, even if you're on the right track and doing all the right things, we need the power and the joy of the Spirit. The joy of the Lord is our strength. We need the power of God. Mm. And, you know, God's power is made perfect in our weakness. So it's perfect. We can turn to him and say, God, I can remember what to do, but I will be, I will be um, distraught doing it, discouraged doing it, unpleasant doing it. So, Lord, will you help me? So I think it's, it's a word. This is a prophetic word for the disciplined as well as the forgetful. You know, I think honestly, the spiritual disciplines help us come back, you know, and for the discipline, it's a call to turn to the Lord and to remember who he is and his heart. Hmm. So it reminds us all. Yeah, it definitely does. (laughs) I mean. I I mean I this conversation was just a really like the entire thing was a really great reminder of mm-hmm. you know I guess like if I'm going to think about this as far as like first principles then just how easy it is to forget the point or like the reason by which we do what we do um and just how much like just how much importance there is in being able to recall and remind ourselves of our need for God, other people's needs for God, like God's love for all of us. And, you know, just how that all makes sense. If we can remember that this is all for that one mission and that one vision of God in the way that is, that he sees his children and sharing that with people that need that, you know, um, just as, much if not more than how much we need it you know um but what a great reminder and what a great gospel message as far as that goes you know yeah um but on my part i am you know out of questions and i feel like i this this message and this conversation we were having on this podcast has just been really eye-opening and a great reminder of you know everything i just said but you know (laughs) um just wondering if you have any last thoughts or um anything that you wanted to say at this time no cool nothing new i i think i'm just in a place where i'm starting to remember also what god has done Mm. and I'm going to be searching for more of that this week. 
No. And I'm already encouraged in my spirit by remembering. Actually, I'll share one that I remember. Yeah. Because it's coming to my memory. You know, when we first um, got our contract with AMC, I remember there was a huge youth group some from somewhere that wanted to visit. I think they were from out of state and wanted to visit our site. So I kind of joined this, it was like a huge national youth group somewhere. And um, this youth pastor brought a bunch of kids, kind of, I guess, talking to them about like New York City mission or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I remember we, they all kind of came into the theater. And so I think it was also my first time seeing the theater on the inside as well after we got the contract. And um, I don't know, it was just like an interesting moment, I guess. Mm-hmm. And the guy said to the kids, like, hey, guys, let's pray for this, you know, this church that they would do God's will. And, you know, let's just pray for this church. Like, it was just like very simple. And I remember, I thought I was just participating, kind of like hosting, you know, people that are visiting, right? But, and I started to pray too. And I heard the Lord say to me, um, I want to save the workers in this theater Mm. and of course i heard that and i thought oh okay that's great because like i'm kind of like the person that's always looking for something Mm. like that Mm. you know like dora the explorer she's always so mesmerized by like one discovery like i'm kind of like that you know i'm like (laughs) i'm like oh wow but then of course the enemy whispers yeah but that's a very practical thing to hear of course and my doubt set in like of course he wants to save the workers. You should just kind of, you know, that's very general. Yeah. Like it was like that. But something within me kept saying, yeah, but you better look out. You better pay attention because he wants to save so- save the workers. And, you know, uh, along the years of being in the theater, you see a lot of workers. It's like a very transitory workplace, right? Yeah. So people get out there and they leave. Um, but... Boyd, and I know that Sam spoke of Boyd, he's been working there and he's actually very faithful and like a very vital part of that theater. Mm-hmm. He is not just, you know, on the concession, but he fixes things, he manages things. Like he's a very vital part of that theater. And I really, I really didn't really think that he was going to come to Christ, but I always had in mind maybe he can be the one not maybe he is the one like i don't think that way like he's the one yeah. but i thought maybe he can be the one because i think possibilities for us to unveil because it is christ's will that people would know him so when i realized that he actually was not a christian but he was always around he started talking to my kids and actually nathan started talking to him and i shared this before but nathan started talking to him and the knowledge that he has and he's like a smart kid so he was like four or five outside in some um not seminary that's funny uh-huh. you know outside in sunday school while we're having service inside he would talk to him because boyd would always say so we know that boyd came to christ and actually because of boyd many others got to hear the gospel yeah um, and come out to the day in the sun and to the events and, you know, they really get to know us, you know, because we're there every week. Mm-hmm. But Boyd always said like, yo, Nathan, 
You know, he's like, you know, you're the first one who told me about, about God. <laughs> like Nathan's a teen now, but that's what he says to Nathan. Like, you're the one who told me about God first yeah. when everyone was inside. You told me. I remember you used to call me the popcorn man <laughs> because he was so kind. He used to give kids like a water cup full of popcorn yeah. to all the kids in school. Mm. And so Popcorn Man became Boyd, and now he's a brother in Christ, and he's a vital member of our community. Yeah. But I remember that. I remember that time when God's power, and he spoke, I want to save the workers here. And I remember thinking, can he be the one? Yeah. And part of me said, I want him to be. I'm like, I made it my assignment. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I think it's like that. I think sometimes we just get so caught up in what's meant to be versus what God already wills and his vision is already that people will come to know him. Right. So instead of thinking so hard about it, I think we could just turn to God and, you know, ask him, ask him to fuel us, help us remember times like that. So simple, but so significant. Right. Even in the moment as I'm remembering, you know, it fuels. And it brings me so much joy. I feel filled by the spirit when I'm remembering. So I hope and pray that God will remind, you know, you as you are listening of moments when God has moved in your life. And maybe your seeker listening, that he will remind you of times when he has made known to you that he is near. And so many, and that's why we call serendipitous, because it's hard to kind of frame these coincidences that are not coincidences. And that's why we call them serendipitous moments where you felt like God saw you and God was, God's eyes were on you and he knew what was going on in your heart. And it was expressed through the people around you when you came to hear a message and you felt like he read your journal. (laughs) You know, those moments where you get goosebumps when there's worship and even though you don't know God personally through Christ, like you don't know Christ personally and you're still wondering about um, who he is and you feel like he is near and you get goosebumps. These are the stories of many people who in process of seeking experience the Lord. So whether you're seeking and are need to be reminded of God's power of what he's done in this pandemic, before the pandemic, what he is doing now. I pray that um, the parts of us that forget and block out because we're trying to just get through this day and through this pandemic, I pray Holy Spirit will show all of us how he's been working and how he's been speaking to us and that he will enable us to pay attention so that we will be encouraged to continue to seek and so that we'll be encouraged to continue to do the mission of God and meet halfway or meet just 10% because God's already doing the work and to show up and be surprised by joy of what God is doing or seize the day and to make happen um, out of the sake of love. Whatever it may be, I pray that this week and as you hear this, that you will be encouraged by God's power. Amen. Um, thank you. I mean, uh, that story encourages me and I'm sure it encourages you and Nathan also when you think back on it. Um, but you know, I'm, 
you know, I hope that this week in my reflections about those serendipitous moments also that um, I'd be reminded in the same vein by which you just shared with us. And, you know, I hope our listeners do too, because I was certainly blessed and encouraged by our, our conversation. Um, and so thank you so much, Pastor Lydia. Thank you for your insight and uh, your guidance with, you know, just how we can continue to remember and continue to live our lives for the gospel and for the call um, in the best way we can. You know, I hope that that is our takeaway as we journey through this together with this podcast, with our listeners. And, you know, just I'm very grateful to have you join us and help us through that. And thanks, Joe, for showing up. (laughs) Yeah, I'll I'll be here. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, Give us a like, comment, or subscribe on wherever you listen to podcasts. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye.
Now will you bow your heads for the benediction. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. All God's people say, Amen. Amen. Hello everyone. Our second day in the sun is coming up soon. So I'm here as a friendly reminder to RSVP by this Sunday. And we want to encourage everyone to fill out the form. And if you are inviting a friend or bringing your significant other, we ask that they sign up as well. We're also looking for some help during the setup. So if you're interested in helping out, please contact me at billykim.180 at gmail.com. Looking forward to seeing you all soon. Good afternoon, everybody. We just want to thank you guys for joining us for our Sunday service this afternoon. Before we finish, we have some community news for everyone, and we're going to start off with tithes and offering. As a reminder, you can always tithe through Venmo at Church 180, through our website, 180church.tv, using PayPal, or you can tithe through Zelle and Chase QuickPay at offering at 180church.tv. Our next announcement is about the Bible Reading Group, which you can find on Instagram at 180BRG, as well as on Tumblr at 180BRG. And here we post just a chapter of the Bible every day and a verse of the Bible on the Instagram account so that we can continue to have God's Word present at all times in our lives because we don't live on bread alone but we live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Our next announcement is about the prayer text hotline, which you can find at 539-7-PRAYER or online at prayer at 180church.tv. Again, with everything that's going on in the world, sometimes we need a little bit of help. And the prayer text hotline is there so that we can lift up our requests, not only for ourselves, but for our loved ones, our friends, and our family to God. And so that we're not praying about these things alone, but we're praying for them in the context of community. Our next announcement is about small groups. And even though we're socially distancing from one another, it's still so important for us to continue to meet so that we can spur one another on, not just in faith in Christ, but spur one another on and encourage each other through the difficulties and the trials that are going on in life. No matter what stage of life you're in, we have a group that would be great for you. And right now, all of our groups are meeting online. So no matter where you are in the city or even in the country, we have a group that would be perfect for you. Our adult groups meet on Wednesdays at 7.30. Our young adult groups meet on Thursdays at 7.30. And our college group, the 180 Fellowship, meets on Fridays at 7.30. If you're interested in joining a group, you can email Pastor Billy at billykim.180 at gmail.com. So finally, we want to invite you to all our social media outlets. Clearly, we are social media savvy from all the lists that you see here, from Facebook to YouTube to podcasts. And I just want to encourage you guys to actually follow along because there's so much rich resources that could actually bless you. From insightful articles uh, through Dr. Sammy that he has written, um, especially from Christianity Today, uh, to insightful, thoughtful discussions on the podcast with Pastor Lydia and Joe Lu. In addition to this, uh, we, have, we have a new addition, which is our SoundCloud. And it's a worship playlist of all the things that Pastor Lydia has played throughout this pandemic. So if you've been blessed by any song throughout this time, you'll see it there. Use it as a way to connect with God, to remember that God is with you. and to be blessed by Him and to bless others through this situation that's going on. 
those are all of our announcements for this Sunday. We want to thank you guys once again for joining us, and we hope to see you soon.